Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dulan, Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. So, I heard that someone who is actually in Star Wars doesn't like porks, just like you. <laughs> I saw that tweet this morning. That was uh that actually made my day. Did you did you watch the video? I did. All? I watched the video. I heard everything that he had to say, John Boyega. Uh what what show was that? Good Morning America. Good Morning America. Yeah, he he's talking about well, I liked the angle he took with it, though, is the creepy side of it. You know, kind of the, the dark <laughs> eyes looking at him just kind of creeped him out, you know, so he was like, no, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I did appreciate the fact that there there was uh, some criticism of Porgs going on there from the cast. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> and then I'm not sure if you saw, but Daisy Ridley said on Good Morning America that she was surprised when she saw the movie that she just saw it. And there were things that actually like surprised and shocked her. Really? And I said, "Oh God!" <laughs> Jeez, how they pull that off? Yeah. Um, I guess that they are only in the scenes they're in, right? So they maybe she didn't see the whole script, or I know I've I've heard. Well, of... no, I just think I it, I think it's more about like how it was edited and put together, you know. So I mean, because I, I would imagine it's hard to know when you're in a film what it's going to look like, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exciting. I, I mean, we're so close now as of as far as recording this episode. Um, yeah, we're like fifteen we're days within, away. Yeah, we're within a couple weeks now. So yeah, it's. I I'm, I think I'm the same as you now though. I don't want to see anything else. I don't want to, you know, I'm I'm shying away from anything I see pop up like an article, anything that has the, the words Last Jedi in it. I'm like, yeah, look I'd... away. I don't I don't need any more information. I just need to see the movie. Yeah, I'm in I'm in shutdown mode. Yes. Complete shutdown mode. Well, we have some really cool stuff that just sort of came about for bookworms that I'm really excited for. And one of them is this book giveaway that we're going to get to do. And it's for a pretty high priced book. Uh, the book is normally about $45. And so I'm really excited that we get to give one of these away. So what we are doing is we're partnering with Wonderkind PR to give away a copy of Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor, which is written by our friend Adam Bray and writer Wyndham. And so for those of you who don't know what this book is, I'm just going to read the overall synopsis of it. When Finn took off his mask in Star Wars The Force Awakens, he became the first Stormtrooper we got to know as an individual. Similarly, Star Wars Stormtroopers Beyond the Armor by Adam Bray and Ryder Windham, which came out in October, is the first in-depth look at the origin and evolution of these elite troops from a galaxy far, far away and their impact on pop culture over the last 30 years. So it's not, it's an out-of-universe book and it's looking at the whole evolution of the Stormtrooper. And one of the cool things about this book is that it actually does have a foreword by John Boyega in the front. And it's a great book to give to someone as a gift or whatever. And since it's one of those kind of higher dollar reference guide books, it's 
you know, definitely a good one to win. And these partic- this particular book is filled with photographs, illustrations, storyboards, artwork, and it's an officially licensed book. So this is awesome. So we're going to give one of these away, Aaron. You okay. have a copy of you have a copy of it, right? Yes, I do. It's a it's actually a really really cool book, and it even has more than just the book. There's like little leaflet things in there, kind mm-hmm. of like a surprise at the end with like um, like concept art posters and you know all kinds of cool stuff. So yeah, it's it's an awesome book. Yep. So here is how you can enter to win this book. You can actually enter twice, so you can get two entries to win. There is only one book being given away. So the more entries, the better you can get to. So first of all, unfortunately, you have to be in the United States, reside in the United States with your mailing address being in the U.S. in order to win. And we're really sorry for all of our listeners that do not live in the United States, but because of who is sending it out, it is the um, PR firm that's representing, I think it's Harper Publishing, uh, it has to be in the United States. So depending on how you enter, whether it's via Twitter, Instagram, you have to be following us. So you must be following at SW Bookworms on Twitter or on Instagram or both if you're going to enter on both platforms. So here is what you do. If you are on Twitter, you need to use the following hashtag, hashtag I love stormtroopers, and tell us your favorite thing about stormtroopers. You can also tell us your favorite thing about clone troopers, first order troopers, death troopers, whatever, and make sure that you tag us. So use the hashtag I love stormtroopers and at SW Bookworms, and then tell us your favorite thing about stormtrooper type people. <laughs> I don't know how to say that because they're not all stormtroopers. The troopers of Star know? Wars. The troopers. The, troop- yeah. the troopers. Yeah. Now, if you are going to enter on Instagram, you need to do the same thing. We're going to have a post up as soon as this episode releases. There will be a post up on our Instagram. And it's mostly just going to be a picture of the hashtag. Hashtag I love stormtroopers. We'll probably just have a background and then the words hashtag I love stormtroopers. And what you need to do is comment on what it is you love about the troopers of Star Wars, no matter what kind of trooper it is. So you can enter twice, but you have to be following us on the platform that you enter on. And then make sure that you comment on the picture on Instagram and then tag us and use the hashtag on Twitter. So you want to make sure you enter on Twitter and Instagram to double your chance at winning since we are only giving one of these books away. We are going to run the contest for a week following the release of the episode. So we'll make sure that we put the date out there. So as soon as the episode comes out, you have seven days to enter. And then we're going to pick the winner. Nice. Sounds like a plan. So who would who would be your favorite trooper in Star Wars? Like, just my favorite, your favorite type of trooper? Or like, well, sure, yeah. What's your trooper favorite or... trooper thing? It'd be a character or type of trooper. Hmm. Well, to answer that, I am going to need to dive into Rebel Files, which we're about to talk about, <laughs> because there's a page where it has all of the troopers. There were some troopers in there that I was surprised I had never heard of. Yeah, like a, like, ma- was it like a lava trooper, a magma trooper, or... magma troopers? Yeah, magma troopers. I was like, wait, I've never heard of that. Yeah, so, yeah. Spoiler so... alert. 
I think my favorite my favorite type of trooper is a scout trooper because of Return of the Jedi and the biker scouts and stuff. Uh, that would be like my favorite. Like your favorite overall. armor. Yeah, my favorite armor, like kind of overall. But I do. I. It's so hard to say this because he got taken over by Order 66, but I loved Commander Cody. Yeah. And then Order 66 happened. So, but I like, I really love Fives. Fives made me very happy. Yeah. Fives is great. I'm a, I, I'm a big fan of Rex. I like Rex. Um, but a lot of those clones in the Clone Wars animated series um, were, were some favorites. But I think t- armor type. Uh, I think just probably the Arc Trooper armor is probably my favorite. Maybe followed closely by the Shore Trooper. Mm. Kind of the more unique, colorful armor. I'm not a big fan of the all white. Is the Arc Trooper the? It's kind of what the, the tank uh, trooper kind of. No, like the Arc Troopers are what the clone troopers became when they became like the oh. elite. Oh right, yeah, troopers, yeah, yeah. And they had like that kind of more. Uh, I don't know. I, it's kind of hard to explain, but yeah, their armor I know was cooler. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Well, speaking of Rebel Files, on November 21st, the next book in the series of artifact in-universe type books from Becker and Mayer Publishing, Rebel Files, that was actually written by Dan Wallace, came out just in time for The Last Jedi. And this particular, if you don't know what we're talking about, it the Jedi Path was the first one, and then Book of Sith came out, and then Bounty Hunter's Code and Imperial Handbook. And essentially what these books are is they're in-universe books that have all kinds of removables and things. If you get the deluxe edition and they come in like a case and you can't really tell that they were actually published, they're supposed to look as if they came directly out of the Star Wars universe. They're some of my favorite Star Wars books ever. And... We've never gotten to have Dan Wallace on the show properly, but now we do. So let's go and sit down with Dan and talk about Star Wars and Rebel Files. So on the show today, we have Dan Wallace. He's the author of one of my favorite books. It's super old, though, Star Wars The Essential Atlas and many of the essential guides, which Aaron loves. He also wrote The Jedi Path, Ultimate Star Wars, and most recently, Rebel Files, which is the next book in a series of artifact type of in-universe books. Dan, welcome to Bookworms. Finally, we've never actually had you on the show. <laughs> Wasn't I sort of like, uh, it was a, a sort of pseudo guest uh, sitting in, in in somebody else's show or something like that. We were at Celebration, I think, didn't wasn't that yeah, you were you were on our panel, but we've never actually just had you on an episode of the show. But no, you did. I was actually going to talk about that. We've had you on our panel at Celebration Anaheim, and that was super, super awesome. That was around when Ultimate Star Wars came out, I think. Yes, that was at least two years ago, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's good. I, I'm happy to be here. We should have been doing podcasts long ago. Long ago, long ago. All right, so for anyone listening, there might be minor spoilers about Rebel Files in this interview. We're going to try to keep them to a minimum, but Aaron and I have read a little bit of the book, so I know we have questions about stuff we've read, so there might be minor spoilers. Just a fair warning. Before we jump into the talking about Rebel Files, which I think mostly is what we'll be asking you about today, uh, we do have a big Star Wars movie coming up in just a couple weeks. 
So how excited are you for The Last Jedi, and do you already have your tickets? Wait, which? We have a movie coming out? A couple? Oh, my God. Wait, which one? No, I'm, uh, all right. I, uh, I don't have tickets yet. Um, I am... I uh, See, it's a little bit different in that with this movie... Like I read, I read the script like a year ago. So I basically know what's going to happen in it, but the experience of seeing a movie once you've read the script is, is very different. And, um, I think I told the story, maybe I told the story on the last time I was on the podcast, but, um, one of the first times I had that happen to me was in 1998 when I was invited out to Lucasfilm Skywalker ranch to read the script for episode one. And, um, I remember sitting in a uh, uh, writer Wyndham, you know, writer Wyndham. Mm-hmm. He was out there for a different project. And we were the two authors who were there that day. We were sitting in a conference room and they gave us a script. And it was like, Oh my God, this is the greatest moment of my life. And I remember reading it and I, I just got a little ways into it. And I just started laughing and writer was like, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, Oh, you'll know when you get to it. Right. And it was the scene in, uh, in uh, episode one, when, they get in the submarine, and then the, a fish attacks them, and then a bigger fish attacks them, and then they reverse, and then there's another fish attacks them. And I read it in the page, and I was like, it, you picture a, a beat, uh, action beat in your head. So you picture how the dialogue is going to go. You picture how it's going to be edited. You picture how all this stuff is going to work. And you can be like, that's brilliant. And that's kind of what I had. And then when I actually saw the movie, I was like, eh didn't really land um but uh <laughs> that's how it always happens and so when the movie come out if i have read the script i am I'm, I'm just a very anxious person so i always have this trepidation like oh i hope they did that bit i hope that came together um i hope that they uh hope they nailed that you know i'm, I'm basically c3po uh in human form i'm always worried about everything so um, I probably won't go see it on opening night. I'll probably see it that weekend, but um, I'll, I'll slide my way into uh, a screening. But I, I just always, I'm sure it'll be great. It's a great story, and, and I, I love reading it. But I'm always just like, oh, I hope that comes together really well, you know. So we'll see. So what kind of theater do you like to go to when you see a movie? Because now we have you know, the dinner and a movie type style, like here in Austin, we've got Alamo Draft House, And I know there's some other places, Aaron, you have a theater kind of like that. Or do you just like going to the traditional movie theater? The beer theater. <laughs> they, they, um, that's actually the traditional movie theater. We, I'm in uh, Minneapolis and I mean, there's different theaters, but I'm kind of like the closest one to me is just an AMC, um, which is obviously nothing special, but the last over the last year they've installed those seats with recliners like lazy boys and it's like oh this is great and then um a few like six months ago they installed a bar i was like oh look at this and then um the last time i was there uh i ordered tickets online and they were like well would you like to order popcorn um, and we'll have somebody bring it out to you. And then you set the time when you want it delivered, like you know, an hour into the movie. And I was like, oh, my God. And I didn't order it because I was so worried, like, am I, am I supposed to tip this person? And I started stressing out about it. So I didn't do it. But uh, anyway, regular movie theaters are turning into these Alamo Draft House kind of places. Not in the, 
in terms of what they show, but in terms of the, I don't know, the the experience of going to a movie and having it be a thing. You know, the last movie I saw, I saw Thor Ragnarok in IMAX 3D in reclining seats, and, and it was amazing, you know. It's amazing. So what you're yeah. saying is that you're going to be sitting back with a beer in hand, critiquing The Last Jedi to see if all the jokes land. I am going to be watching it and just hoping it washes over me. Every time I see these things, I just think, uh, yes. Uh, the short answer to that is yes, but uh, <laughs> it's – and then they ch- they changed it. So here's the other thing is um, – I read it over a year ago. So since then, they, they'll go back and they'll do rewrites and reshoots. And so sometimes it's like, oh, my God, what is that? And then it's a really surprising thing. So I'm trying to make people feel sorry for me based on the fact that I had to read the script. And now I won't enjoy it in the same uh, uh, capacity that everybody else will. So I hope everybody feels really bad for me for having <laughs> Well, script. you know, really it- a burden to bear. It's interesting because Beth Revis, who wrote Rebel Rising, she had a similar experience because she read Rogue One like a year and a half before the movie came out. And so she was watching it all nervous because she knew everything that was going to happen. So it, it's I would imagine that's hard if you've already read the script and you know what's going to happen. And so you're anticipating, you know, yeah. no, totally. Um yeah, she probably read it early enough that it was that totally different version of the script, too. <laughs> so yeah. That's like a, a thing. I did read that one early as well, but it was um, it was really locked and loaded. It was kind of like a last-minute thing. Uh, um, so it was the final, final, final version of it. But even then, you read a story, and you don't know, like, you know, is is the droid uh, going to be funny? You know, is he how, how's he going to deliver his lines? Is he going to screech them, or is he going to deliver them sort of dryly, or... Are they going to linger on the joke for a beat or are they going to cut away too soon or are they going to linger on it for three beats and then it kind of falls flat? It's really hard to make a movie. <laughs> and the more uh, I've written a lot of uh, behind the scenes movie making books. I wrote one about Ghostbusters. I wrote one about Warcraft. Uh, I have one about Pacific Rim coming out next year. Um, and the more I interview people who do this stuff, it's like, I don't know. It's like alchemy. Like, I don't know that you know whether or not it's going to work, you know, mm-hmm. hindsight 20, it's like, Oh, well, duh, of course, why would you make that decision? Um, but before the movie comes out, you don't know. Yeah. Well, let's jump into talking about rebel files. This is the fifth of this series or type of book that you've done. What do you love about doing these types of books? The, for those who don't know, the, um, the series, and it's not really a series in the sense that, you know, one is a sequel to the other one, but they're a series in that they're the same theme. And um, at the time, the, the closest equivalent to this would be like, um, uh, let's see, um, the, uh, J.K. Rowling did those um, Harry Potter books, like um, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, when it was just a, you mm-hmm. know, it was just a, a book and Quidditch through the ages. And they were yep. like really slim books, but they were like, what if there was a textbook and, and Ron and, and Hermione and, and Harry wrote in it. Um, and that was kind of out when we did the original book in the series, which is called the Jedi path. And uh, Lucasfilm had actually published um, Henry Jones's grail diary, which was a really cool book. Um, 
it's probably really hard to find at this point, but it was um, the same idea, but it was, uh, remember in uh, Indiana Jones on the Last Crusade, he has the diary and then um, he flips through it and so on. And so that it was sort of like written uh, as if it were, I don't know, it's sort of like retrofitted to, to include Indiana Jones's adventures. So those were the templates we were kind of working off of. So the, the general premise of every single book in the series, there's a Jedi Path, Book of Sith, uh, Bounty Hunter Code, Imperial Handbook, and now Rebel Files, was to have an in-universe document that could exist as if it were an artifact that had sort of fallen through a wormhole and landed in our universe. And if you picked it up, it would feel like, oh, okay, you know, this is is a sense of, of what we got. The the uh, the conceit is really carried over not only through the writing but through the design. Um, they're very well designed books, and in the deluxe edition, which I will probably get into, uh, they usually come in a, a special case and so on. But because they come in a case, uh, the case has to be packaged in a cardboard box, and the cardboard box can have all the identifiers on it. So. When you open up the thing, the book can just have no Star Wars logo on it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. There's no Star Wars logo. It didn't say from a galaxy far, far away. There's no. There's a little bit of like copyright information, but we hid it as, as as well as possible, and and that really helps sell the idea that this isn't a Star Wars book. It's a book from Star Wars, and um, so we, after doing the Jedi Path, uh, which was the Jedi Handbook. And the Book of Sith, which was like, well, duh, we've got to do that. Um, then it was like, well, what other perspectives are there? There's sort of the independent bounty hunter. There is the Empire. Uh, there's a Rebel Alliance, which is a new one. And then uh, we'll see, you know. But, but <laughs> part of the whole conceit of Star Wars is so much fun is that everybody thinks of, you know, Rebels and Alliance, or Rebels and uh, Empire, or they think of Jedi and Sith. And it's like... Some of my favorite characters are like just the people who are just hanging out. Like, you know, what is Bosk doing? You know, he's just kind of there. He's like, you know, I could take it or leave it. I don't know, Darth Vader. I don't know if you're going to survive this year, you know, and I don't really care. I'm just going to try to provide for myself and my lizard family. And he just goes out and gets paid. You know, I, I kind of appreciate that Star Wars includes this. Uh, diversification in uh, in philosophy. It's a universe of good and evil, and heroes and villains. But some people are just like, yeah, I'm. Let's see how this plays out. Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I met through the Jedi Path, and I love that whole thing. I have the deluxe, you know, like vault edition and everything. And I'll take it out even today just randomly and take it into the living room right next to my husband and push the button and just let it glow and like open and stuff. And he just like laughs at me. But I have that's the only deluxe edition I have. And I'm bummed about it because I need to get the rest of them. But I do have all the other ones. I have this the plain books. And one, one of the things I love about them is like even just like the paper of the pages is almost feels old it's so cool i don't know how they do it but they make it to where it like it feels like it came you know through the wormhole it's awesome 
It, it really is, and that's a credit to the designers on this. I've had the same uh, editor uh, at Becker and Mayer who puts this together, Delia Grieve, who is, uh, she's been the editor on this whole series since the very beginning. She's the one who really has steered it through. I've worked on all of them, but she, you know, the tip of the hat is is sort of the, the godmother of the whole thing. Um, and uh, there have been multiple designers at Becker and Mayer who have worked on it. And what you're saying is, really nails it in um, the Jedi path, for example, the edges of the pages are sort of weathered. And uh, when there's handwritten comments, each person has a very distinct handwriting style. And, um, you know, the deluxe edition has like a, a napkin and from Dex's diner and there's a coffee stain on the napkin and these little um, environmental details. And in the rebel files, we continue that as well. Um, this is meant to be a repository of information that is important to the history of the Rebel Alliance, and it's being stored in sort of the secure vault locker, um, and meaning that it, 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 the book is sort of a scrapbook, as in um, there's, no, there's no continuous narrative. It, it's um, told through roughly chronological clippings, so it's almost a newspaper clipping uh, book. So there's headlines and there's memos and there's excerpts from Mon Mothma's journal and there's um, imperial press release and then there's, um, you know, something from Jabba the Hutt. And uh, each one has a very, again, a credit to the designer, each one has a very distinct, um, you know, typeface and, and uh, masthead and logo if we need to have a logo. And it just, it, I was really impressed with um, how dense the book feels from an information standpoint, like it feels longer than it probably actually is. Like it probably takes about four times as long to get through a page as it would a, a novel, for example. Well, the book is like filled with references to the books and comics and the animated series. Can you tell us a little bit about the research that goes into, you know, getting all of that information into a book like this? Yeah, um, I mean, I obviously really know the Star Wars history. I, you know, I'm an old school fan, and I started writing officially for Star Wars back in the 90s. So um, I, for example, wrote the original Star Wars Essential Chronology with Kevin Anderson um, and then the new Essential Chronology and all that. So um, the old chronology and Jaina Solo and Jason Solo and all that, like I know that really well, but... I also really know like the world building aspects of it um, through like West End games. Um, and it's just part of my DNA at this point. Like I, I, I will go back and check the old, I have every old role-playing manual ever published and I will go back and, and check them. But the, uh, the, the point you're making about there's a lot of references in it is very true. There's a ton of old references in it, but just to clarify, it's not meant to be a, well, I'm going to include this Legends reference because, you know, I'm going to stick it to the new canon, or it's not intended to solely be a, a Easter egg sort of, you know, extravaganza for old school fans. The fact that there's so many old references, well, some of them are Easter eggs, but the fact that there's so many old references is more my philosophy is that in um, under the new canon, the 
the main characters have changed. Like there's no Jaina Solo, for example. And maybe there's a Mara Jade, but she hasn't been introduced yet. Yeah, but the the props haven't changed. You know, Hans Solo's blaster is still a DL-44. His ship is still a YT-1300. There's zero reason why um, you would reclassify the Millennium Falcon's uh, Corellian engineering serial number. You just wouldn't. And so there's so much um, backstory built into, well, this planet is a shadow port, and this this, uh, person is a information broker that um, I always feel like if I'm writing something and I don't at least try to use some of that old material, A, I think it makes the, the new contribution a little weaker, like it's not based on anything, and, uh, and B, I always like to just sort of, I don't know, shout out to the people, my predecessors and so on. Um, there's a lot of just great Star Wars uh, work done early on by, um, you know, uh, Bill Smith and, and uh, Paul Sudlow and Troy Denning and these guys. And, and uh, I always feel like um, it's, a, it's a bit of a tip of the hat um, and a continuation of that. I think that's true with the, the story group as well. I mean, like Pablo Hidalgo, for example, kind of came up in the same circles as I did, and he used to write for Western Games, and I, as I did as well. And so I think there's a little bit of that DNA in, in terms of the, how the Lucasfilm Story Group looks at things as well. Well, and you were talking about the design of the books. What kind of goes into the design of the items that are included in the deluxe edition? You were talking about in the Jedi Path, there's like the napkin, and there's also a, a Padawan braid and like a little coin thing. Um, what goes into picking like the kind of things that are going to be included? Because I think in Rebel Files, there's a like a document about Jyn Erso's arrests and something about Lando Calrissian's. Um, I don't know. He has a, like a yeah. thing too. The Jedi path was so expensive. <laughs> it was so expensive. I don't. I wasn't really involved in this because I didn't actually have to design it and source it. I and this was back in 2010, and we were doing what well, was released in 2010, so 2009, and we were um, trying to figure out the deluxe edition of the Jedi Path. And I came up with this: well, we should do this. We should include this. We should include this, and all these like crazy things. Like there was a, a patch that you would put on a jacket, for example, and there was a Padawan braid, which is made from you know hair or whatever. Uh, there was a metal coin. Um, there was a napkin. Um, and there was all this stuff that was really hard. And I didn't realize this at the time, but it was really hard to source. Like you have to make tens of thousands of these. So you have to find them and you have to find them cheaply and you have to package them. Um, I think the Jedi path was like, almost like produced at a loss. It was just so, <laughs> it was so much Probably not, but there was just so much in it. Um, and so uh, to some degree, the um, the variety of stuff that was in the original Jedi Path isn't f- feasible in this as So, but we didn't want to have like something that was not there. So here, here's, here's kind of the trade-off with the Rebel Files is that there's a lot of removables that are mostly flat. You know, they're mostly paper-based or something like that. Um, there is a brochure which for Kuat Drive Yards, which was kind of fun. It was like 
the rebels hang on to it because they're a big starship manufacturer. So it's, it's very filled with advertising puffery. Um, there was an Rebel Alliance intake card for Lando Calrissian, as you said, which is, you know, when he just shows up in Return of the Jedi and he's a general. And there's a little bit in the, this book about how that came about. So this is sort of related to that. Uh, there was a thing about Jyn Erso um, prior to them rescuing her in the movie from the prison planet. This is sort of the prison intake document. Um, yeah, there is a, uh, a little bit of an intro thing, which explains what this book is. And it's sort of written from the perspective of, oh, hey, we found this old book uh, from 30 years ago. Uh, General Leia Solo, you know, Organa. Organa? I think she's Organa. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and um, so it just sets it in the time frame because, um, again, if you've never seen this book before, the main book is set uh, during the time of the classic trilogy, for the most part, and slightly before it. But then there is a secondary story in which uh, the book is recovered by members of the resistance during the time of the force awakens. And, uh, so for example, uh, Leia might comment in two different places as a young, you know, impetuous, uh, princess of Alderaan. And then later as a more world weary general. Um, so I, and I feel like I might be missing something. There might be another removable, but the other point I was trying to make was, um, the case itself has this very special mechanism. And so when you open it up uh, and you push a certain button, a little arm pops up and it makes these cool sounds and then a little panel flips up and the arm has a little projector on the end of it and it, it projects a little image on the panel and it is the Death Star silhouette or schematics. And then if you twist a little thing, it is the Death Star 2, partial under construction schematics. And it's just a very cool little bit. Um, these deluxe editions are always a combination of a book and a collectible. And in the case of Rebel Files, that's what I just described is, is, the, is the collectible. And the case is pretty cool, too. Yeah, totally. I can't wait. I need to go get it. <laughs> <laughs> it's available now, right? Yes. Okay. Um. So it's obvious that you really enjoy writing these books and there's a lot of cool stuff that goes into it. But what do you find as a challenging part when you write a book like this? Sort of endemic to writing these books is a little bit of... <laughs> okay, the first thing that popped in my mind was um, all of these books, it's sort of a tradition, they have these annotated comments. So um, it's a Jedi Path book and it's a textbook of uh, handed out to Padawans at the Jedi Temple. And then in the margins are sort of these scrawled notes from, from other people and so on. And as we got into later books in the series, it's like, well, we have to continue that. It's very fun. And it's fun to read those comments and it helps bridge eras between uh, whatever era we're set in and a future era. But it was also like, why would they write on these pages? Like, isn't this supposed to be a really important book? You know? These people are like putting a Sharpie all over these pages. So um, there's a, a bit of, uh, um, you have to take into, under consideration, um, what would be the, what would be the backstory behind which the main text of the books was written? What was it for? Uh, in the case of the Jedi Path, it was um, a handbook that was handed out to Padawans at the temple. In the case of Book of Sith, 
it was like, well, wait, we can't do a Sith handbook that was handed out to Sith Padawans at the Sith Temple because there isn't one. So it, instead, it became a, a collection of um, documents about the dark side, different documents that Palpatine had sort of uh, ripped out of their original sources and, and bound them together in his own book. Uh, in the case of the Bounty Hunter Code, it was kind of like the Jedi Path. It was about Bounty Hunter, the Bounty Hunter's Guild. Uh, and they're like, hey, welcome, new member. Um, here's what you need to know. Boba Fett not being a member of the Bounty Hunters Guild would provide most of the marginal comments. And then for the Imperial Handbook, it was uh, congratulations, officer, newly minted officer. You know, either you've graduated from the Imperial Academy, in which case, uh, congratulations, Lieutenant. Here's your uh, official uh, handbook to the Imperial Armed Forces or uh, something like that. Um, and so um, then uh, you have to figure out why is there a marginal commentary on that. In the case of the Rebel Files, like I said earlier, it was about that um, that scrapbook approach. So um, if they were carrying around a case and uh, they were recording important documents in it, like what kind of documents would be interesting to read for a Star Wars fan? and would provide variety and, and would sort of take us through, you know, the timeline of, of Star Wars Rebels through Return of the Jedi and uh, would be recognizable and, and et cetera, et cetera. And, um, but would do it in an interesting way um, and would feel like it wasn't just, I think the biggest, now that I am talking, it just snapped into, into place. I think the biggest challenge with this book was finding a narrative other than here's another interesting memo. You know, I didn't mm -hmm. want a series of memos. Hey, here's another memo. Oh, hey, this memo is about the Battle of Hoth. Um, there is some of that, and I, I think it kind of works, but there's also another unifying narrative, and it's uh, a little bit, because this is, um, on Mothma is the leader of the rebellion. Um, so this book isn't about Leia. You think it might be about Leia or maybe, you know, Admiral Akbar or something like that. And it's like, no, 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 this book has to be about Mon Mothma. She is the leader of the Alliance. And so uh, that was kind of my hook, was what um, what are Mon Mothma's thoughts on everything that's happening? And I created a secondary character who's sort of Mon Mothma's aide. Uh, and a lot of times they're communicating with each other. And the secondary character is the one who is charged with um, assembling the rebel files. And so she sort of starts off as Mon Mothma's intern, you know, five years before the Battle of Yavin. And as by the time of uh, Return of the Jedi, she's basically, you know, graduated. She's a full-fledged um, operative in her own right. Um, and so that was, that was, I spent a lot of time on that particular bit. Um, but hopefully, fingers crossed, it, it kind of came out well i mean i think it did from what i'm looking at i'm i'm kind of looking at a document specifically about crate base and it's the one where they're talking about you know we have this base and we left it still functional and all this stuff and there's a little side note from leah where she's like she mentions Amal and Holdo and Akbar, and she's like, "Take note of this." And I'm like, "Ah, oh, Last Jedi!" <laughs> like, <I'm> just 
That, that was actually funny because you bring that one up because the original outline for the crate section was going to be a lot longer. Uh, we were going to get into a whole, like, maybe a fold-out schematic or, you know, something like that. And it was going to be, here's the ski speeders and here's, uh, here's the base and here's the schematics and so on. Because we included, like, schematics for the Yavin 4 base and for um, Echo base and Hoth. Um, but um, when we were putting it together... Uh, I think early on in development, there was at some point there was sort of a a worry that um, we were getting in too spoilery, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit like, well, not really. I mean, you know, there's Lego sets of, for crate, and you know, it's in all the trailers, and you know, it's at Star Tours and so on. But you know, eight months, nine months, ten months ago, it's hard to know, and so you're kind of like. A lot of times when you're dealing with movie companies and it's like, is this going to spoil anything? Their answer is, eh, let's just leave it out. So we, we end up cutting out uh, a lot of the crate the stuff in this, but then we ended up filling it at the last minute with other stuff that was really cool. Um, so I ended up very late in development uh, writing new bits uh, for the Rebel Files. And one of them um, that I can think of was there's a Mon Mothma... Um, we know that she has sort of a, a split with Saw Guerrera from mm-hmm. one. And so there's sort of a, well, here, here it is. I'm officially cutting ties with you. It's a, a, sen- a motion to censure. Um, and so there's sort of legalese and that, um, and that came out of the fact that we didn't, uh, we needed more room because of crate. Um, and it was like, Oh, good. I was hoping to include something like this. Yeah, I actually, I'm looking at that right now, and it's, like, followed by a wanted poster, you know, from the Empire, where they're saying, like, wanted for crimes against the Empire, and you have a picture of, you know, Saul. It's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and, and that there's a lot of Rogue One in this thing, and the time I was working on it, Rogue One was the new thing. Um, I actually was working on this well over a year ago so i had that was when i was talking earlier about i read the rogue one script it was because of this um so i don't know um last i think october last october um i went out to read the rogue one script and and it was like okay uh now i'm i'm fully armed uh I, i know what's going on and um a lot of this rebel files is about rogue one because how couldn't it be? You know, there's so much about the formation and uh, who makes up the rebel council. And there's some people are senators and uh, they're a little bit more about, well, got to represent the interests of my constituents. And then some of the members of the council are generals and admirals and, and they want to take the fight to the enemy. And, and Mon Mothma is, is very much caught in the middle of that. And it's a nightmare. I would hate to have to deal with that. She has to fight because the empire is so militarized, you can't not fight the empire. You have to fight him. But she doesn't want. To. She's not a warrior. She's a she's a politician too. She doesn't want to fight, uh, but she will because she has to. But um, it's this very. I, I I had so much sympathy for her as a character when I was working on this. Like this is so exhausting. You know, it's just gotta be just. I, I can't even imagine trying to to thread this needle, um, knowing that at, at any point the rebellion could basically be wiped out because you're out of money or you're out of allies or you're out of starships. Um, 
And so it, uh, there's a lot of a little bit of uh, ragged edge uh, of extinction um, undercurrent in the robophiles because I think it was always like that. And that stuff that you were talking about, the falling out between Mon Mothma and Saul Guerrera, actually fits in really well with the current events of the of Star Wars Rebels because that's kind of happening right now in Star Wars Rebels. So the timing of it is actually really, really awesome. Oh, that's a good point. Um, uh, when I was working on this book, I had an advanced read of the script for um, Rogue One, but I also had an advanced read of the scripts for the uh, key issues of Star Wars Rebels or episodes, the um, like the one where Mon Mothma is introduced and she sort of invites the Rebel Alliance, give a speech and on Dantooine and so on. So that was in there. Um, but there's a limit to how much of that you can incorporate because at some point you just got to cut bait. And it's like, oh, we're done. And um, in the case of this, um, you know, it was soon after those scripts were, were finalized. And so um, you, at that point, you just kind of hope that you got the general feeling, right? That you understand the relationships between those characters well enough that the way you've sort of described this is still going to work. You know, even if a, a new book is published, you know, next year, and it's like, wow, there's a huge battle uh, that isn't mentioned at all in the Rebel Files. It was like, well, I'm trying to prepare for that, you know. Um, hopefully it, it doesn't change the character. Nobody gets killed. Um, you know, it doesn't change the POV of any particular characters. And it could just be, well, they left that uh, incident out of this book for security reasons uh, or something like that. It's a bit of, of trying to plan around a timeline that is constantly evolving, which is something that I obviously had to deal a lot with back in the days of the essential chronology. Yeah. So you already mentioned that there's the little annotations from the characters in this as well and i've recognized several of them i mean there's leia and poe mon mothma Amlin holdo admiral akbar but there are a few that i don't recognize can you tell us about some of these characters that are making these annotations there's one that looks like it's blue writing it looks like it says emat oh yeah <laughs> like yeah. who is that uh, okay <laughs> of the the characters that you didn't mention um, the, the two that, um, the two that I, I can think off the top of my head that you didn't, you didn't call out. One is, uh, Admiral Statua and he is sort of a, uh, he's a military admiral, naval admiral. And, um, hang on. He was played, um, uh, Ken Leung in, uh, in the Force Awakens. I'm just trying to look it up here. And then Major Emmett was, um, I got to look it up. He's the guy with a giant beard. Um, and the <laughs> giant, his really uh, frizzy white hair. It looks like Doc Brown, white hair, but he's got a beard. And he's kind of standing there and he's like, I don't know if you're going to sell me drugs or if you're a, a general in the Rebel Alliance. Um, uh, Kaliwan Emmett. Um, but he, we were really uh, in love with this guy because he's clearly old enough. He's in The Force Awakens. Um, he's clearly old enough to have been around. Admiral Statura, the first guy, was not. So he's just not old enough. You know, this is 30 years after 
uh, Return of the Jedi, he was he was maybe a kid, you know, maybe not even a kid, maybe he was a toddler. Um, but Kellywin Emmett, Major Emmett, was definitely around, and so um, that just gave some some leeway. He's another one of those characters like Akbar and Leia, who could appear in the main narrative of the book back during the classic trilogy, but also comment on the fact that uh, they are reading of their adventures from the remove of three decades, almost like they're seeing a ghost, you know, a ghost of the past. Um, and so he was another one of those characters that, that was uh, able to provide that perspective. And then Admiral Statue, like I said, he's obviously, um, the actor's not super old, so he probably wasn't um, in the military back during the, the classic trilogy. So uh, the fact that he's an admiral and Akbar is an admiral, I thought was kind of fun because um, I set up some sort of like snippy exchanges between the two of them. I figured uh, the older Admiral, uh, admiral Akbar gets, the more he is your, you know, grand uncle. <laughs> you know, he gets really like annoyed by everything. Like he's just like, and I figured Admiral Statura was one of those guys. Like he's very good at his job and so on. But Admiral is just he's so past the point of caring at the point of you know this point in the timeline. Like he's an old guy. He's an old mon calamari, and he's just like ugh, he has no patience. Um, and so yeah, in his his marginal comments in the Rebel Files, Admiral Ackbar is kind of your cranky grandpa. Yeah, well, I like the fonts that were chosen for all the different handwriting, you know, and Leia's is very swirly. I like the different colors, too. You know, Holdo got purple, which I thought was really cool, and Poe was orange. There's also General Honoron, who makes a comment where they're talking about the different types of stormtroopers, which I thought was neat. And then, of course, there's a really cool map, which I love maps. <laughs> So, yeah, but the comments are really neat. And there's there's comments from Leia, and I was curious, how do you tell the comments that she left maybe in this book early on versus the ones when she's a general? Do you just have to sort of interpret that, or is there a slight difference in her writing? Well, my, my thinking was on this, because that's always, you, you hit the nail on the head that that's one of those things where it's like, when are the comments being written down? Because in the case of the Jedi Path, it was like they're literally being written as the book is passed from person to person, like a textbook would be at the used bookshop, you know. Um, but in the case of this, we decided to make more of a clean break that this was originally a repository of, of documents that um, the sort of shadow... Uh, POV character, her name is Hendry Underholt, was assembling on Mon Mothma's orders like, well, we have to preserve this stuff because, you know, this is important for the history of the galaxy. We have to preserve all the stuff in, in a thing and we have to lock it up and that's what the case is. Um, and, uh, and then at that point, um, there wouldn't be any marginal comments. But the time she let go of the case uh, which was right before Return of the Jedi. Um, there were no marginal comments. And then um, the, the case was lost for uh, decades, and then it, it resurfaces, and it finds its way back into Leia's hands because 
she's the most obvious link to the Rebel Alliance. And um, that's the point at which everybody jumps in. So uh, all the marginal comments are, are general Leia Organa. Um, and then we bring in people like Admiral Statura and Poe Dameron and Admiral Haldo, who probably weren't uh, uh, as involved or, or around at the time. And then uh, we have some second generation, you know, sort of ish, um, multi-generation um, characters like uh, uh, Major Emmett with the crazy hair. Um, that's the answer to it, but it, it does bring up an interesting point. Like if you're going to have a book that essentially takes place at two, has two narratives that take place at two different points in the timeline, how can you do that without trying to make it overly complicated? And uh, that was at least what we were shooting for. Yeah. I just found one of the discussions between Statura and Akbar. It's pretty funny. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. <laughs> did you did you have like a favorite character that you really like to get into the voice of? I think always there is that bit. I mean, like Poe, I'm thinking of the comments because it's easy to sort of do the comments. Um, well, all right, now that I'm thinking about the book, um, Poe's comments were fun to do because he's very cocky, you know, but he's very good at what he does. So he, he tends to comment on the, the things like the trench run and the Battle of Yavin or, um, you know, the tripping up the adats in the Echo Base and things like that and putting his own perspective on it. And he's very respectful for the, you know, Wedge Antilles and, and Rogue Squadron and everybody that came before him. He basically hero worships them, but he's also kind of like, yeah, I could do that. You know, like they were better than me. I mean, I could totally be a member of Rogue Squadron if I was born in a different timeline. So it was kind of funny that he is a bit of like, whoa, back off a little, dude. Um, and then I said, Akbar is a little bit uh, cranky. Um, uh, the uh, trying to think of the, the comments, but um the only thing I think of right now is not the comments, it's in the main narrative, but the uh, Rogue One had this rebel council, and you don't see it much, but you see them are arguing, you know. That's the whole plot point where they're like, well, we should act to, you know, steal these Death Star plans, and, and some other people say, no, it's too dangerous, and they don't do anything, and that's why Jyn Erso takes matters into her own hands and goes off to Scarif. Um, that was fun to do because it was like, okay, well, who are the senators who are, are making this in the, in the generals and the admirals? And what are they all about? You know, why would they not want to fight? Um, is it because they're chicken or is it because they actually have a legitimate point? Like they might think like this is a trap or they might think, we actually have a really good chance for a diplomatic solution or we or we have something else going on. And so it was kind of fun. Um, a couple of those characters I sort of cast as real jerks, though, uh, jerks from the jerk store. Um, the, it was like a Senator Vaspar, and he it was like, I need a real jerk. He's the jerk. Um, look him up on what he I can't remember what he looks like, but he just looked like kind of like, yeah, that guy could be kind of a jerk. Uh, and there's another senator, um, shoot, I forget which one, but I put him in, he was sort of in charge of the finances or something like that. 
And so he's kind of a jerk too, because nobody wants the uh, accountant to come after you and say, uh, you're over budget. Uh, and I figured that the Rebel Alliance would be constantly over budget and uh, constantly underfunded and constantly short of allies. And it would cause Mon Mothman no shortage of headaches. And the fact that she actually made it through as many years as she did as the head of this dysfunctional organization is a miracle. And she deserves all the credit in the world for um, for basically everything. You know, like Luke Skywalker shot the uh, torpedo that destroyed the first Death Star. But kind of Mon Mothma held together this crazy organization for years. Um, and that was kind of uh, a big part of what I was uh, trying to convey in Rebel Files. Uh, behind the scenes, um, characters like... Uh, Amon Mothma are, are as important or more important to a historical perspective as movie characters. You know, it, as the book moves to like the uh, rescue of Han from Jabba's palace, we talk about it, but really peripherally because it's not Rebel Alliance business. You know, they'll, they'll be like, where the heck is Leia? Uh, because she should be here. Uh, not off doing this crazy stuff as dressing up as a bounty hunter. And that's kind of the um, the whole POV of, of the Rebel Files. If you're a Rebel Alliance fan, uh, I hope that you'll appreciate that um, unique POV on um, what the, how the heck are we going to, how are we going to possibly win this war? Uh, and somehow they do, which is amazing. <laughs> You know, and there's one character that you have uh, maybe like a couple of memos from that I saw her name and I freaked out. So I have to know, what was it like for you to put Ahsoka Tano in this book? It was a little trepidatious because I really want to include Ahsoka and uh, same token, I want to include Hera Syndulla, but I was really worried like, I could mess this up because I don't know what their active characters right now. They're very active. There are, there are stories being told about them right now. And I don't want to step on anybody's toes. That's the problem of, of um, dealing with a ongoing television series. <laughs> that it changes so rapidly. And so I was like, well, I'm going to put um, Ahsoka in here because of Fulcrum. And she's obviously very important to the formation of the early Rebel Alliance. And I have a reference to Harris and Dula in here. Mm-hmm. It was very peripheral. Like I was like, I would like to have a deeper exploration of it, but I don't, I don't know exactly what Dave Filoni is is going to do with the character, and, and I certainly would never presume to um, try to set that out. Um, so, like I was saying earlier, uh, a lot of this, because it's told in scrapbook style, is flexible enough to work around those kind of things. Um, but yeah, Ahsoka is great. Uh, she's been used very well in the new canon. And uh, it's really fun to see the reappearance of characters from the Clone Wars in, in Rebels. Um, and also how, how much the alien horns grow in that amount of time. Ahsoka's, I know, right? Those horns are really much longer. And then you look at um, Hondo Onaka. And you're like, oh my God, his horns are longer too. Like, it's a thing. Horns. 
I didn't even know it. And I looked at another image and I'm like, oh my God, they're like three times as long. Like, is this a thing? I guess it's not. Maul's horns did that too. Like from when we see him in the Clone Wars for the first time, he's got like crazy, yeah. crazy horn going on, and then it's like he gets a horn cut. He filed. Know? He filed him down. <laughs> it's how you show. It's like these. It's I guess it's like a deer thing. Like you know, like a, an old uh, uh, stag would have this like rack of antlers, and and that's basically what's going on here. So are there any cool Easter eggs in the book that you want to share or give us a hint about? There's probably a million <laughs> Easter eggs. I mean, I, some people have pointed them out and so on. Like, there's a lot of references to things that have come before. Um, there's some references to, like, um, uh, you know, for example, there's, there's a section about, uh, I think it's set during the Rogue One time frame when... Um, the rebel analysts kind of know that there's a super weapon under development, which obviously is the Death Star, but they don't know that yet. They just know that, oh my God, they're working on something. It's Operation Celestial Power and there's Orson Krennic and what are they up to? And so they kind of investigate these different rumors and, and, and I was kind of like, this is, another, is, is a little Easter eggy, but it was... Um, because it was presented in the context of rumors, um, I just presented a whole bunch of stuff where it was like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm going to nod to this. One of them is, uh, the mass shadow generator from, uh, Knights of the Old Republic, the, the two, the video game. Uh, one of them is the Omega Frost from the old, uh, Marvel comics back in the seventies. Uh, and then another one is, uh, the eye of Palpatine, which is this from this, uh, in the nineties. And, and I'm not saying those are all canon, those stories took place. It was just very much, it was a rumors thing. They were like, well, we need to investigate Imperial superweapons. Here's some weird stories we've been hearing. And it was just sort of a, a little bit self-indulgent, but it was just kind of a fun, like, remember, remember these, remember these stories. And if you haven't read them, it's fine. You know, uh, they make sense. The, the kind of projects that the Empire would probably be investigating anyway. But uh, um if, if you do know the, the backstory for some of these references, it's kind of fun. Cool. Yeah, I noticed there was something about the Lasats, and I was like, oh, well, that's where they all got killed. <laughs> that was, oh, I'm trying to remember exactly what that was, but I think that came from some reference that I had. Like, like I feel like I was working with some notes or something like that, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just put that in there. So hopefully I didn't... Uh, Hopefully I didn't mess anything up. One of the other things with working on a book like this is it's essentially a uh, it's essentially a nonfiction book, and it's obviously fiction because none of this is real. But it's nonfiction in the sense that it's it's mostly presenting um, documents and so on. It's, it's documentarian. It's like a Ken Burns documentary kind of approach to to storytelling, and um, therefore uh, the, you run the risk of setting things down in canon, like, well, this happened, and then this happened. And I tried to avoid doing that, because I know that always ends badly. So there are dates in here, because sometimes it was just like, well, we have to have some dates, because it's not at all clear why this, you know, news magazine clipping is in here. Uh, It's because it's from when Mon Mothma was a 
18 year old, you know? And um, so we had to set it in those things. But for the most part, where it got really into the meat of the story, what was so-and-so doing at such and such a time, uh, I tried to leave it super vague um, because as a, as a ex timeliner, <laughs> I used to really be into figuring out where everything fit. Um, you would think that timeliners would really appreciate when you put specific dates on things. It's not the case. Timeliners appreciate <laughs> don't put specific dates on things because if you put specific dates on things, you have made their day so much worse. Um, and if you don't, then they can go to work and they can say, oh, hey, it's vague. We'll slot this story in here. And so uh, if any timeliners are listening, I really tried to, fingers crossed, uh, make the rebel files something that could work but could also allow for future expansions of the Star Wars story. Awesome. So I have to ask this question, Aaron. I know we don't have it on here, but is the Rebel Files considered, you know, in quotation marks, canon? Or is it more of like a canon-adjacent situation? Uh, as far as I know, this is considered canon. And, okay. And I'm, I'm drawing that distinction between the older ones like the Jedi Path and Book of Sith and Bounty Hunter Code and Imperial Handbook are all technically, all four of them are te technically legends because they were published or at least before. before the acquisition. So this is the very first time that we've had one of these, it seems, wow, it's a longer gap than I thought. But this is the first time we've had one of these books come out under the new Disney uh, canon. And so in that sense, it's absolutely canon. So it goes through the story group and, and we put the outline together and Lucasfilm looks it over and they say, nope, you have to take this out or we'd really like you to include a reference to so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, like I said, I went out and I read the script for Rogue One and I got the scripts for Star Wars Rebels. So, uh, you know, I, I would have to say as far as the Lucasfilm is concerned, these types of books... Because, especially because they're in universe, are considered very much uh, official canon. Awesome. All right. Well, what do you have coming up that we should be on the lookout for? So this one is uh, Rebel Files is out now, and if you so look it up, uh, Rebel Files Deluxe Edition, and it comes with a case. And uh, if you can't afford it. For Christmas or the holiday season, uh, there is a trade edition coming out next year, and I, I forget exactly what month, but if you search for Star Wars, else, is it? Oh, go ahead. I think it's June. Ju it's either June or July, because I was on Amazon looking at stuff. I think Perfect. it's next summer. So if you if you want to buy the book, if it sounds interesting to you, but you're like, I, either it's too expensive or I, I'm not really a collector, I, I'm more of a book reader. Um, that's totally valid. Uh, the, the book only version is coming out next year. Um, and then non Star Wars, I have a couple of books that I'm finished with that are coming out next year. One of them is, uh, uh, the official, uh, art of making of book for Pacific Rim uprising starring John Boyega, which is coming out next year. Um, so I just, uh, wrote the captions for that book a couple of days ago as meaning I saw the full layout and it's gorgeous uh, great looking movie great looking book and then um i'm trying to think of i have one other book uh, for sure coming out next year it's about dc comics uh variant covers it's an art book 
uh, with some great covers. And then still this year, um, I just had a, a couple of um, the called Incredibilds book came out. It's a oh yeah. It comes with a little model, and you punch out the paper and not paper the wood wood pieces and you make a model. Um, one of them I just had come out was for Wonder Woman. Uh, but in a, I think, n- I think this week or next week is uh, BB-8. Uh, so that's fun. And then sometime next year, I have another one coming out for um, the Republic Bomber, which is oh, uh, a new, new ship that you see in the trailer for The Last Jedi. Awesome. Well, we hope you get more Star Wars stuff soon because your stuff with Star Wars is always awesome. And we always get it. Always, always, always. Thank you. All right. Well, Dan, thanks so much for coming on the show. And the next time you have something out, we will for sure have you back on. I would love it. Yeah, please do. All right. Well, that was super informative. And I got to ask like all my pent up Jedi path questions. (laughs) (laughs) So much information about all his books. It was so cool. He's like one of my favorite Star Wars authors all around just because I used to Pretty much the the essential chronology books that he wrote were like mm-hmm. my Bible for a long time, you know. So, yeah, it was very cool to get to finally talk to him. Yeah, the essential atlas was like one of my my one of my Bibles if I had one. I mean, I I reference that one all the time, and even still today, I know we have the new the new atlas book, but I sort of use them both in conjunction when I'm trying to figure stuff out. And then of course I always grab my Jedi path and book of Sith, and I'm like, well, it doesn't say it in here. And (laughs) (laughs) so, but let's talk a little bit. You and I were fortunate enough to be able to get review copies of this and look at it. And we've, we haven't read all of it. We've just read, a little bit of it. I mean, I think I'm about, I might be about like halfway through ish. Uh, but what are your initial impressions? Um, I, right away, I really liked what I saw. I think, uh, I really like the format of it and the layout where it's, it's almost like these discovered rebel files that have been collected. And so it's just a lot of clippings all throughout with text and images and, annotations and and all but there's a lot of really cool kind of art throughout it as well uh you know images of characters that we are familiar with and even characters we're not as familiar with uh so yeah just just from because i'm kind of like kind of like you i didn't get a chance to read through everything but i did flip through the entire book so i read a lot of it at the beginning and then realized i wasn't going to get through it and uh kind of flipped through at least saw kind of all the pictures and and kind of read little things here and there throughout. So yeah, it was it was really cool. Yeah, and this one, as Dan was saying in the interview, is kind of done a little bit more scrapbook style, which is pretty cool. And it says right off the top that a character called Hendry Underholt, she's an archivist, and there's some discussion between Hendry and Mon Mothma right at the beginning, where Mon Mothma's saying, I'm entrusting you with maintaining a central data repository concerning the sensitive information on the formation of the rebellion. And so as Dan was saying, this is kind of like for those people who love Mon Mothma, you have to get this. And I would, and you, and honestly, you know, I'm being honest. I have the Jedi path deluxe edition. That's the only one I have. And not because I don't want the other ones, just because I always forget when I have money to buy the other ones, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, I end up buying her universe clothes. But I want the other ones. And 
I really, truly, honestly think you get the best reading experience with these in the deluxe editions. And I know they're expensive because Rebel Files is about $100. But it's so worth it because you get all of this cool stuff. I mean, it feels like you just were handed this thing directly out of Star Wars. It's so amazing. But if you can't afford it, then you can get the trade and you still get all the information. So, but either way, if you're a Mon Mothma fan, you have to get Rebel Files. Yeah. Like, and even beyond though, have to get, even though it's a, it's a little more expensive than a typical Star Wars book, it's the perfect time of year because with the holidays coming up, you know, just put it on your, your wish list, you know, so mm-hmm. someone else can buy it for you. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much a Mon Mothma, you know, focus book, which was something I, because throughout the entire book, there are, you know, annotations from different characters and a lot of very familiar characters to us. But I think the most prominent one throughout because of her role in the Republic was Mon Mothma. And that's a character that we're getting a lot more information about from, you know, the novels and the comics and even Star Wars Rebels. So uh, it's a character that's really been front and center lately in Star Wars. Yeah, and you know, Mon Mothma was in Return of the Jedi and it's been... 30 plus years since we've really had any information about Mon Mothma. And I think she was one of those characters that back when Return of the Jedi came out, it was like, okay, that's Mon Mothma. But now because they're giving us so much in Star Wars Rebels and then in Rogue One and then in some of the books, like in the Leia book and things like that, it's like, okay, so Mon Mothma is, we need to, pay attention to Mon Mothma and we're getting all this backstory and it's like I'm finally being fed something I didn't know I needed (laughs) it's really really cool she's way more important than any of us realized than anybody anybody at all and there's some really cool like like Aaron was saying annotations from characters if you want to get a little sneak peek into Amal and Holdo she's got annotations in here and like sometimes there's annotations between Leia and Holdo sort of talking back and forth which I thought was like way cool uh some of my favorites are the things that Poe says and he's comments on a lot of the ships there's if you want to know about the ships of the rebellion you have to get this because I'm not a huge ship person, but yet I was so engaged reading about every single ship and all its laser cannons and, you know, all of like, there's this page where they, it's like, um, like an X-Wing flight manual page that talks about ship to ship combat using an X-Wing and how to do the split S maneuver or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> like, and it gets down into the nitty gritty. So, like, if you're super nerdy about these these ships, it even talks about, like, I think I remember reading something about the U-wing, where mm-hmm. they were talking about all the functions of it, and they're like, "Well, this is good, this is good, but this part, uh, this thing that it does, is kind of repetitive because we already have a ship that does that, you know." So it's not just putting out like the best things about all these ships. Like, it's talking about them like they're real, you know, ships in a in a in a military, you know, engagement and like the the positives and negatives of these ships. So it was very interesting. Yeah. And like I said, it's done scrapbook style. So it's like, there's these memos between characters. There's these articles from like newspapers and magazines from the universe. There's these, you know, when different characters are writing to each other and saying, Hey, we got, we found this, take a look at this, read this. Uh, We get to see the actual like fallout between Mon Mothma and Sagarera happen here. 
yeah. which is just insane. There's stuff related to The Last Jedi. They talk about Crate Base. Like, it's, it's so cool. <laughs> and we didn't even read it all yet. <laughs> and I haven't even read it all. I'm only like halfway through. That's right where I'm at. That's right where I ended is where um, it's just so you guys can get a feel. It's an official document. From Lieutenant Hef Tober from Blue Squadron to General Dodonna, subject is Crate Base. And I'm just going to read this one little part. It's not very long. I'll read this little part. It says, General, as you know, I assisted in the evacuation of Crate Base. Though we abandoned it in a hurry, we left most of its facilities intact in the hope of returning at a later date with heavy transport equipment. The comm center is still functional, though locked down and powered off. There's still a squadron of skim speeders in the hangar. I'm not worried about scavengers. The system... The system's coordinates aren't on any chart, and even if the old mining company left its logs somewhere, the base itself is a vault. Fusion cutters won't take a chip out of that Durasteel gate, and the rest of the base sits in the heart of a mountain. And there's an annotation from Leia that says, Akbar Satura Holdo, take note. And she circles Crate Base. And I'm just like, oh! <laughs> and we just read the, the Princess Leia book. Mm-hmm. Um, where they where she went to crate base as well, so we know that there was an established base there, and now obviously they evacuated it at some point. But now they're you know we know just from the trailer from the Last Jedi that they will be back there. So yeah, it's 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 so cool to see how all this stuff ties in. Yeah, so this is definitely one that you should put on your list, and we're gonna do a more in depth review once we, once we like actually finish reading it. But there are some cool mentions of certain things. There's mentions of the extermination of the Lasats. So for all of our rebels, folks, uh, that's kind of a big deal. And and also also Ahsoka, she makes an appearance. Yes, of course. She has just to. just saying, she does. And that's amazing. <laughs> yep. And the Rebels crew, there's some some imagery of them in there and some mentions. So yeah, there's pretty much all that you know, from the entire like establishment of the rebellion all the way up through Return of the Jedi is is kind of covered and it, and they tie everything in so well with the, the original trilogy movies, Rebels, the books and comics get a ton of mentions in there. Um, and then even like the, the new movies and stuff like with Rogue One and, and The Last Jedi. So it covers everything. Yeah. So if you, if you are interested in the formation of the rebellion and if you really like the rebels, if you like Star Wars rebels, you gotta get, you gotta get it. You just gotta get it. If you loved Rogue One, you have to get it. There's a lot of Rogue One in this thing. <laughs> Can lot. you tell this is like our favorite kind of book? This is our favorite kind of book ever. We don't like any other book except this. <laughs> we just love these like essential guide type reference guides. It's something that, you know, we both really enjoy. You know, we yeah. love the books and comics and everything too, but these these we get a little bit more nerdy about. Yeah, and I'm not really sure why other than the fact that I feel like I'm really learning something super important or something, like <laughs> things I'm not supposed to know. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's like going to school and like you get the textbook that has like all the stuff in it. You know, it's like all the all the detail. I don't know. I just yeah, like it. it is. It is kind of like Star Wars textbooks. If there was a if there was a course on Star Wars, these would be the books that you would have to buy. Totally. All right. Well, if you have gotten Rebel Files and you're enjoying it, we want to know your thoughts. So make sure you tweet or Instagram at us using the hashtag 
SWBW, which is Star Wars Bookworms, Rebel Files. And you can also send us an email with your thoughts. And if you do, we'll read them on the show. So if you have gotten it and you want to tell us all about it, or if you get it for Christmas or something and you start reading it, just send us an email and we will read it on the show. And that's it for this one. All right. Well, we can wrap up. You can always follow us on Twitter at SWBookworms. Email StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash StarWarsBookworms. You can join our Facebook group. Yep, we're on Instagram at SWBookworms. You can find, if you are listening to us on your favorite podcatcher, please make sure that you leave a review there so that more people can find us. And personally, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I am at IceColdPenguin and Aaron is at AVGoins. So until next time. I'm not going to steal it from you. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Keep on reading, and may the Force be with you.